Good morning. It is September the 5th, 2022. It is Labor Day. This is Tom Richardson with you today, the Removing Confusion podcast. You may have noticed there is no snappy intro today. I just want to leave you uh, real quickly with a song called When I Speak Your Name by the Will Banks. And then we're going to get into something very interesting, I feel. So just sit back, take it easy for a minute, and then we're going to let her rip. I love to speak your name. I love the unmistakable presence of you that fills the room when I call Jesus. Mountains crawl in your name. Fear and doubt are erased. There is certain change when I speak your name, Jesus. I love to speak your name. I love the unmistakable presence of you that fills the room when I call Jesus. Mountains grow.
that's just a beautiful song. That's by the Will Banks. Um, if you want to hear some of the songs I've been throwing at you here lately from this podcast, which I haven't done a total or a, a, a whole lot, but uh, in the in the future, maybe that's something to do. Uh, we need things that uplift us. We need things that give us a little charge. Uh, if you listen to the words, and we'll we'll reflect on some of those words here in a minute, but uh, go over to Spotify uh, if you want. Sign up. You can get a free account, or you can do the upgrade with where you don't have to worry about commercials. I have the free account. Uh, Spotify does not does not represent or uh, sponsor our podcast, although. They are gracious enough at this point to allow this podcast to appear there. It's also on Amazon as well. So in Apple and, and Anchor, wherever you want to look, you'll find it. Uh, we only have one sponsor, I think. I haven't heard that we're not allowed to use them, but that's steponsocks.com backslash removing confusion, steponsocks.com where you can buy some, you know, interesting socks uh, and some silver and other things that might be good down the road, especially the way things are going. I want to talk today about a chapter of the Bible that a lot of us know the stories that are contained. I'm sh- I hate the word stories, but that's that's what that's our vernacular. The accounts that are contained in it, uh, and. You know, a lot of times it's it's nitpick and choose here and there the things that we pull from it. I'm concerned, grievously concerned, about the state of the Christian church today. I think anybody who sits in a church, uh, no matter what denomination you want to come from, you should be concerned. But I know some are not because they think they've got all the treasures of heaven locked up in their own little denominational doctrines. And, you know, when you get right down to it, two-thirds of their doctrine are the doctrines of men, a thing that Jesus warned us about. The Pharisees are uh, making up their own doctrines. Now, you you go back and you look at these Pharisees, and it was a, uh, Another fellow I listened to that really kind of enlightened me on this one is before the Babylonian incursion, when when the when the uh, um, Israelis or the Israelites or you know the Jews were taken away to Babylon, there were no Pharisees. I'll repeat that. Prior to the incursion of Israel and Judea, Judah, there were no Pharisees. Now, what are Pharisees? Well, they're the guys that gave Jesus all the hard times. They became uh, this rise of of political and religious power in Babylon. Now, for those who are a little bit less familiar with that in that entire thing because you sit in a church that doesn't speak of these things they just tell you all oh, these pharisees those are the jews that you see today running around you they're not 
although some of the Hasidics and whatnot may follow in that, I'm not here to, to bash anybody. I will bash the Pharisees because Jesus did. What did Jesus say to him? He said, you are your father, the devil. John the Baptist said, you vipers. He talked to the scribes and the Pharisees. Who sent you here? These guys developed into what they were. They became this, you know, we had, prior to that, you had the Mosaic Law, and they still followed it, but they added added and added and added to it. But you had the Mosaic priesthood, the Levitical priesthood, and then uh, these Pharisees kind of spun over, you know, got their own thing going. And a lot of it was based in Babylon. The religion changed to fit their political and religious power. Now, you know, you can search that out and, and, and come back to me with whatever you want. I encourage you to look at everything we say here at Removing Confusion as the Bereans did with Paul, and I've told you that many times. I have no problem with it. If I'm wrong, and you can prove it, and, I, and I'm sure that there's smart folks out there listening, please let me know. I want to reiterate something that I wrote, and I put it at the, uh, on the title page for our, uh, our podcast here. Uh, it's just a little, little blurb that I threw together you know, a year or so ago that tells what you will hear when you listen to our podcast, removing confusion from a world that has been blindsided by the globalist, mainstream media, mainstream medical, and mainstream religion, dot, dot, dot. We only offer truth with a capital T. John 8.32 at that point in time was my kind of go-to verse. And ye shall know the truth, capital T, and the truth shall make you free. Not set you free, make you free. Remake you into another creation. And truthfully, it will set you free. But the King James Bible, the one I use as most of y'all know, it says, make you free. I've, I've had uh, old pastors even, as I spoke on John eight thirty two, jump in there and say, well, uh, theologians say that it should be set. I said, well, wait a minute, you're a King James only guy. Why are you, you you'd want to go along with guys that are trying to change your King James book? I love those King James onlyists. You know, I am a King James predominantist, okay? I believe that it's a good translation of the Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic scriptures. And it's the one I've used most of my Christian life, so it flows with me a lot easier than some of the others. And I do notice the differences in them. So, you know, it's just where I'm at. I'm not, a, I'm not an onlyist of anything. I've been accused of it in the past, and I don't care. Accuse me all that you want, you know. I also have used in the past 
a uh, the NASB and the New King James. I do know there's some things that they left out, but that's that's not what we're here to debate today. And debate's a strong word. Let's let's just while while that song is fresh in our minds. Uh, do you mind if I say a quick prayer? I'm going to do it anyway. So if you mind, you know, fast forward. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this chance that I have. This is an opportunity to bring the truth of Scripture to people. The truth as you have revealed it to me through your Holy Spirit. A place here of solace that we all can come to and understand and debate within our own minds if what we hear on a Sunday morning gels with the truth of Scripture. Father, I'm humbled a lot at times by the weight of the Scripture and how it has impacted, reflected, and sometimes broken me in my life, and I pray that that never stops. God, I pray that as the word goes out, that it'll impact lives as well around the world. And you will make us savers of souls through the name of Jesus. That we will be able to win souls in the name of Jesus. I, I shouldn't say savers, Lord, it is the Holy Spirit that does the salvation. It is Jesus Christ that does the salvation. Not me. It's just mere words from a clay vessel that can impact them. And God, I just pray that whoever picks up the microphone from this day forward to do a truthful podcast, telecast, or any other cast, that they will use the scriptures as they were meant and not twist them or rest them, as Peter said, to their own demise. And I pray these things in the precious name of Jesus, our Savior and our Lord. Amen. Okay, looking at uh, that song we just listened to, you know, when I get talking about Jesus, when I get talking about the Bible, I got to watch the clock on my uh, my uh, board over here. I'll go way over. But I'm, you know, what if I do? I do. Let's let's just look at it. when when we pray. Does His presence fill the room with you when you pray? Now, when I was praying there. I can't say that I felt this overwhelming, you know, crushing power of God that came into the room. But, you know, it's just like when I said what I feel was an incorrect statement, God corrected me. I am not the saver of anyone. I can give you a a brief example. I used to go to a flea market, big one, over in the Dayton area called Trader's World. And there was an old guy, he was a cowboy or a hillbilly, whatever you want to call him. He always wore a cowboy hat and boots and the, you know, the lariat thing around his neck, whatever. Polo, uh, bolo, bolo tie. And uh, he was a fun guy. I mean, he, was, he, he, he believed in the Lord. He's probably a Baptist, but he believed in the Lord. And, and uh, he conquered cancer or something a couple of times. I bought a, I bought a Dobro off of him. But uh, he had a girl that she was just recently converted or saved, however, whatever word you want to use. And, she would walk around the flea market with him and she'd be like singing hymns real loud and, and, you know, just being kind of obnoxious, really. I mean, there's a place where you can 
show your faith without being an obnoxious dimwit, you know, kind of like the guy with the sandwich board that said, repent for the end is near and ringing the bell, you know, um, which I mean, there may be a time for that, but he told her one day, he says, what are you doing? You're making a, a spectacle of yourself. And she says, I'm just trying to save people. He says, you can't save a gnat. Only the Holy Spirit can save people. And I just shut her up. So, you know, that there it is. These fellows that like to stand there and tell you all day about, I've won souls, I've saved people, I've done this, I've done it. You, sir, did nothing. The Holy Spirit, if he were in your presence, did it all. He used your vocal cords to get the right words out. Now I've seen some of the I've seen some of this stuff. You go back to the 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 great revivals of the old days, you know, from Charles is it Charles Finney? Yeah. Charles Finney, uh Billy Sunday. You know, these are, you know, supposedly great men of God and it carried right on into the next big Billy, which is Billy Graham. And, uh, you know, you get some more of the recent newer ones out there. Well, Franklin, you know, is running around now. They do these big crusades where they go into towns and they, they, they pummel the churches with free tickets to their event and, you know, it goes on and on. Bring a busload, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then they get people down front. They, they give an impassioned message with some music and whatnot, prayer and, and whatever. And then they... Bring the people. If you want to get saved, come down here, you know. And they say that five-second prayer with you. Now, if a 1,000 people come down front, do you really think they're going to get the counseling they need? Most of them are, are caught up in the emotion of the moment, run down there, and they're asked to let Jesus come into your heart, and then that's it. You're good. You go back to life. And, you know, the Graham Crusades, you'd send them back to wherever they came from. If you were a Catholic, go back to your priest. Into a cult. I'm sorry, that's what they are. Look at what they do. They pray to the dead. They exonerate saints. Let me tell you something. Are you saved? Do you know the Lord? Are you truly following in his footsteps? You, my friend, are a saint. You don't need to be uh, beatified by the Pope. Read the epistles of Paul. Every one of them, I believe, starts out with, to the saints at Thessalonica, to the saints at Corinth, to the saints at Galatia. Even though they had people within their congregations who had problems and did things that they should not do. And Paul always admonished them but he always called them saints. So if you believe in Christ, I heard, I heard a guy one day, he got in front of a group and, uh, and uh, you know, I don't know what he, I don't even know what he's talking about because some people talk buffoonery when they get in front of a group, no matter how long they've been pastoring. And he said something like, there, there ain't no saints up here. And I'm sitting back there. I was sitting behind him at the time. And I'm like, speak for yourself. Even though I may not be a perfect uh, well, I'm never going to be perfect, but you know what I'm saying? I, I may not be absolutely clean, but I'm clean by the blood of Christ. And he made me a saint. You can't 
take that away from me. Only I could take that away from me. The Lord doesn't want to take it away from me. He doesn't relinquish my sainthood because I sin once. No, he does not. Thank God he does not. Thank you, Jesus, he does not. Fear and doubt are erased when I speak the name, the name of Jesus. This is a song. I'm still on the song. I'm sorry. Fear and doubt are erased. We went through a period for two years, for the last two years, of watching hierarchy of our churches. These are just gathering places of people who claim to be Christians. Uh, Gathering places, churches, where fear and doubt weren't erased, fear and doubt were covered over by medical procedures. Period. They didn't turn to Jesus. They didn't turn to God because that would entail being, oh, maybe a little Pentecostal. And for those of you that sit and listen to another buffoonery, I've heard this myself, a guy say, oh, I believe, I believe, you know, he talked about the first church, you know, which was Peter and James and John and and all the disciples and the people on Pentecost Sunday. And he'd say, well, the first church, <laughs> I believe it was Baptist. I believe it was a Baptist church. And I'm sitting back there in the pew thinking, I really should grab him after this is over and say, I can prove that you are completely 110%, maybe 1,000% wrong on that statement. And how can I prove that? First of all, it was a Pentecostal Jewish church. Oops, wasn't a Baptist amongst them. As we go through and look at some of the things that those people believe in, they, they wouldn't even fit close to what the first church was all about. Only because they did believe in water baptism. But they were doing that before the church was even birthed. John the Baptist, as we recall, there was no Christian church at that point in time. There was just a, a, a scruffy prophet who ate locust and wild honey living in the wilderness pr- practically of, uh, by Jordan, baptizing people. He had no Christian church around him. He's the one that said, that was when he said, you vipers, who sent you here? So, you know, there's so many things that we hear and people just giggle at, but do they really believe it? I believe they believe it. I've heard guys say, you know, this is what starts a cult is the idea that we have all of the, we've locked it down. We've got it all figured out. Listen to the Jehovah's Witnesses. Listen to the Mormons. Listen to the Catholics. If you're not part of the Catholic Church, you are doomed and anathema and will go to hell. Only those that are within this church body of the Catholic Roman Catholic Church will make it. That's what they believe. The big pope of the day, I think it was John Paul, who basically came right out and said, the Christian churches are full of rapacious wolves to me 
He's probably right on one hand. But for the most part, I think Christians, people who truly believe that Jesus is the Savior of their soul and the Lord of their life, are not rapacious wolves. But that's what the Catholic Pope looks at you. He sees a wolf. I look at him and I see an antichrist. One who has stepped in to say, I am the vicar of Christ. I am the Holy Spirit. That is evil. And I know that anti, if you look at it, it means in the, in the Greek and in you know common denominator English, it means um, a, a protagonist. Somebody is against so the Antichrist is against Christ. Uh, other scholars will tell you, well, he's also one who says he's in place of Christ. I would say in this case, you know, I'll go along with both. It's not a, it's not a hill worth dying on for me. I do believe the Antichrist that we see spoken of in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, where it says that wicked will be revealed, the son of perdition, he will set himself up in the temple of God saying that he is God. And the church will probably say, oh, he is. The nominal Christian church, blinded by stupidity that has been preached to them through the gospel or so-called gospel of their pastor from their chosen denominations. We're going to look at some other. Well, let me look see if I want to finish up what I <clears throat> fear and doubt have been erased healing in your name now you know sometimes we ask for healing and we don't get it or we see someone we we ask the lord to heal them and they die they're still if they if they are in christ if they have been saved they have just received the greatest healing that they could ever get in the midst of trouble who do you call do you call that pastor of yours? Is he the only one that can go to a, a relative's house, knock on a door, and lead them to Christ? You can't do it? You're weak then. Every one of us has the power endued in, in from high, from on high, from the Holy Ghost to render aid to the lost. You have to call that preacher. You might have wasted five minutes on the phone while he him and Honda and tried to get out of it. Now there's some that are great. They go out and do what they got to do. I'll give them credit. But oftentimes, maybe you wasted five minutes that you could have spent yourself talking to that loved one, saying, "Look, time's drawing nigh for you, my friend, my loved one, my brother, my son, father, whatever it may be, uncle. I don't care." Do you want to make a commitment now before it's too late? A truthful commitment to the Lord whom you've run from all your life. It's now or never. Hell or heaven await you in the near term. Nobody wants to go to hell. Everybody thinks they're going to heaven. Let's go over there to John now. I better get going. I said, you get me talking about the Lord? 
Keep talking about the Bible. We can go all day. And my wife would be saying, are you about, are you about done yet? <laughs> no, she's actually very cool with what I do here. But if I go too long, I'm going to lose you. You go if you have a Bible or if you're using your phone or whatever. I don't know what you do, and it's none of my concern. I want you to open up to John chapter eight. Again, that's where I pulled the scriptural verse for this podcast: "The truth will make you free." This. Let's look at the entirety, and we'll go through it quickly. In John chapter 8 and verse 1, Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came in again, he came again into the temple. And all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. Oh, boy, here comes our buddies, the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him unto him a woman taken in adultery and when they had set her in the midst they said master see they 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 always you can imagine how they you know i'm just my own sarcastic ideal master this woman was taken in adultery in the very act now moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned comma but what sayest thou and I believe that's probably how they probably threw it out or cocky, you know. But what sayest thou, Jesus, Rabbi? And this they said, tempting him. See, that's how you can kind of get an idea that they were, you know, inflecting their words a bit. That they might have to, they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down with his finger and rode on the ground as though he heard them not. And I heard a guy say something the other day. Many times this has been looked at. He wrote with his finger on the ground. What was he writing? So some guys say, well, maybe he was writing their name. Nobody really knows. But some say, well, maybe he was writing their names. Maybe he was writing the commandments on the ground in the dirt. You know, who knows? We don't know. But it's funny. This this I, I, this blew my mind when I heard it. There's several different um, references in the Old Testament, and I think even in the New, of the finger of God. One of them was in Exodus when the uh, uh, Moses and Aaron were were doing the miracles of God that brought plagues upon Egypt, and one of them was they took the dust of the ground and it became lice now the uh the chief magicians of egypt whom we heard later their some of them their names were like johnny's and jambres they they looked at that and they're like oh see they'd already done all the other things you know made the snakes and blood and all the other stuff that happened when they saw this one they looked at pharaoh and they said uh we can't do this one this has been done by the finger of god so here we have jesus who is god with his finger he wrote on the ground so like i say we don't know what he wrote but we can imagine it was something that was profound because it says but jesus stooped down with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. 
So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and he said unto them, he that is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone. Awesome song also by Bradley Walker. If you look that one up, it's called uh, cast the first stone. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground again. Yeah. What's he writing? These guys can read it. They know what he's writing, but they went to heard it being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the oldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. Jesus lifted himself up. He stood up basically and saw none but the lady, the woman. And he said under woman, where are your accusers? Where are thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, no man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. That's a hard statement right there for us to wrap our finite brains around. Go and sin no more. Jesus being God, Jesus being a very good Jewish rabbi, and uh, a sinless human being, the only one who's sinless, knows when he says to her, Go and sin no more, she's still going to sin. When we are when when we are converted, when we are saved, when we've been gone through all the steps, whatever they may be and however they may happen, that's the same thing that Jesus says to you. Now you may not have been caught in adultery, but you probably committed it, even though you don't know it. Maybe in your mind, you may not have killed someone, but you may have committed murder, because when you do something in your mind there you are guilty of also it go, you know it goes on you read the bible you'll see these things we have to be careful of how our mind works and you know a lot of the things that we look at and say well i never did that well if you thought it you did it the spiritual aspect comes in most nominal and i say i'm a nominal i would even be a, an upcoming for some of them when you start to speak of the spiritual aspect of the bible they lose you they they want you gone trust me i know there is a very spiritual aspect to this book that lays before me right now and i hope before you the holy bible the scriptures is very spiritual believe it or not it's not just literature. It doesn't need to be taken completely literal nor completely spiritual. There's a little bit of both. You have to use common sense. But when he tells this girl, this lady, go and sin no more, he's telling her, don't go back to where you came from. You know, he's not Billy Graham. And, you know, oh, he's making fun of Billy Graham. No, I'm not. I'm telling you the truth. This man did some wonderful things, but he also, it was a good, I, like I hear some folks say, older folks, well, now, he was a good preacher. You know what? There's a lot of good preachers out there that really just don't preach well when it comes to doing the Bible justice. Hear me again. You may have the most wonderful speaking voice. You may be the most on-fire guy. You may be able to put across these great biblical tenets, and then guess what happens? It all falls flat. Because what your life reflects also has a big part of how you present the gospel. If I tell you, go and sin no more, which Jesus did, 
and I send you back to a Catholic church or even a Mormon, they get, oh, well, what do you think of Mormons? Well, you know, that's not for me to judge. What about homosexuals or Jews? He was asked that. Well, now that's just not, that's not for me to judge. I could play you the clip if I could find it, but I didn't do, I didn't even plan on talking about that garbage. Now, I don't believe, you know, some people say he went straight to hell when he died. I, I don't consign anybody to either heaven or hell. I do believe that Billy Graham did enough good in the world, and he truly believed in the Lord Jesus Christ that he probably, more than likely, went on to be with the Lord. I don't have any problem saying that. I don't care what anybody else says. You know, you can, but I don't judge a man to hell. There's only one that, that we can be very adamant probably about is Judas. And, and Peter, in his uh, great sermon in the, in the opening chapters of Acts, basically said, as of Judas, he went to his own place. He didn't say he went to hell. But here's a man who betrayed the Lord threw the money back out because he realized what he did. He did not repent of his sin. He repented of himself, it says in one of the uh, one of the scriptures. But he didn't ask the Lord to forgive him. He didn't stick around to see if Jesus was uh, uh, resurrected as he said he would. Juxtapose that with Peter, who denied the Lord, even though the Lord told him it would happen. He denied the Lord, but he didn't go out and hang himself. He was cut to the heart. It broke him. And maybe a tough guy like Peter, that's exactly what he needed. Some of us tough guys need broken before we really catch it. And Peter became the leader from the resurrection on. Jesus told him three times, feed my sheep. Once for each time he denied him. It's a harsh reality. As you look at more in John chapter 8, Jesus gives some of the great um. Uh, lines that we've we've had the uh, the Pharisees again are, are after him you know thou bearest record of thyself that record is not true Jesus says you don't judge people correctly you judge after the flesh I judge no man see he's he, and basically this is what we see you know it's how you dress this is where you're from blah 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 Jesus says, I and the Father are one. Oh, no, that's blasphemy. We're going to stone you to death. They, they, they thought, was he going to go kill himself? I mean, if you read this chapter and let it sink in. Read it slowly. Read it like you're an eighth or, or a second grader. And he said unto them, ye are from beneath. I am from above. Ye are of this world. I am not of this world. Now you ever hear somebody say, Oh, he's so heavenly minded. He ain't no earthly good. Joyce Meyer was a great one for that. Squawking it out like a, a scalding chicken. You don't get it. We live in a world right now 
that has been taken over by these buffoons. Joyce, Joel, even to a certain degree, people like John Hagee. Mostly with them, it's you know pre-tribulation rapture is the only way you can believe, or you're you know you're you're an unbeliever, you know, all that stuff. One day we will go deep on that. <clears throat> I say therefore unto you, Jesus says to them, after he makes that statement about you being from this world and I am not of this world, ye shall die in your sins. But if you, I'm sorry, for if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. Now, when a rabbi in in the Jewish era repeats himself like he just did, ye shall die in your sins, and then he says it again, ye shall die in your sins, they said unto him, who art thou? Jesus said unto them, even the same that I said unto you from the beginning. They, they don't understand any of it. They, they just don't get it. This is a fascinating, I'm telling you, John chapter 8, fascinating chapter of the Bible. There's so much in there that happens in such a, you know, it, this, uh, this is all happening at, at once, really. The lady the, the the teaching in the temple and all the things that go on. And then he gives them all this wonderful stuff of, you know, being the light of the world and how they just don't believe in him. They can't because they're, they're so stuck in their denominational doctrines that they can't, they can't fathom this guy. They can't grasp who he is. They've watched him do some of the most fascinating things. John 8, 12. I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. If you aren't following him, you are in darkness darkness and this is a very dark world anybody that lives in it knows it if you're in darkness you can't see him we're talking about total darkness pitch black unbelievable darkness and if you're not following him you're not staying close to the light you're in the dark Now, Jesus goes through a litany of things. He says that, uh, you know, where he came from. I came from my Father above. And it got to the point where there were many that believed on him. Now, you know, usually when you see the words few or many, few is usually the good one. But in John 8, 30, it says actually for one one period of the uh, scriptures, these words he spake these words, comma, many believed on him. So it, ha- it, it sometimes many is a good thing. But I'm imagining that there may have been many, but there was probably just as many that didn't. You know, I'm not trying to add to Scripture, though. But it does say many believed on him. He had a power that couldn't be, 
mistaken for anything else. And that's the same power that we should be able to exude when we reach out and touch someone with Scripture. We don't use them as a battering ram to beat them down. We don't use them to pummel somebody into submission. I don't need to scare you into heaven. I can prove to you who Jesus is. Not was, is. I had another song I was listening to, and that, that was what, you know, I believe that Jesus was. Well, no, he is. But that's okay, you know, it's the way the words go. It's still a good song, but uh, I'm not going to promote it at this point. <clears throat> then said Jesus unto the Jews which believed on him, if, listen, this is a very important piece of Scripture misrepresented by many. Then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him. Now, just take the word Jews out of there for the common day. To those Christians which believed on him. If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. One of these days we're going to do a podcast and a teaching on the word if. It's like a conjunctive thing. If ye continue in my word, there are people who do not continue in his word. There are those people that get that five-second prayer at the front of a church or out on street corner and walk away with a cigarette in, their hand, in one hand and a beer in the other. They're not continuing in his word. They're continuing I'm sorry to say, in the life that they had before they uh, supposedly were converted. And you should know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. John 8, 32. If you continue in my word, That's important to get that into your head. Now, yes, we all have a sinful nature that we can hardly get away from. But we can, we can stop the habitual sins that we fall into. I want you to understand something. There is a teaching of unconditional eternal security. It's also known as OSAS or once saved, always saved. The Bible's full of examples that show that to not be a truthful, believable uh, doctrine. This is one place where the Bible is very adamant. If ye continue in my word. Now, when you, when you make it like, like, a, like a guy might say, you crash your toe in the middle of the night getting up to do whatever you have to do in the middle of the night against the bedpost. 
you know, I've, I've actually, I gotta say, I've done it a couple of times now and the words came to my mind, but they didn't fly out of my mouth. And you know what I mean? Or you smash your thumb with a hammer or you get your finger caught in a car door, whatever it is. And you want to curse the unregenerate person probably will. Even those of us who are saved, uh, unfortunately that we may as well. These are things that, uh, these are not willful sins. These are not things that we uh, just do because we want to do it. Anger is another one. When you display m- morbid, rank anger, and it's part of your life, and you then you go to church on Sunday and sing, you know, uh, when we see Christ and when we all get to heaven and nothing but the blood and just as I am, and then you walk out the door and you light up a cigarette, you start cussing, carrying on, telling dirty jokes, and the preacher laughs at you. That is willful sinning. Theologically, practice, when you practice sin. If you practice it, you are a servant to it. That's hard to say. Drop down John 834 while you're with me, if you still are. (laughs) Of course, if you're not, you won't do it anyway. John 834, Jesus answered them. Because, well, again, here's your Pharisee buddies are back at it again. They answered and said, but we're Abraham's seed. We've never been in bondage to any man. How sayest thou? Ye may make us free, or ye ye shall be made free. Well, first of all, you might not think you're in bondage, Pharisee and scribe and Sadducee and whatever seas are running around out there, but you are because you're in league with Satan, as Jesus tells them in Matthew 23. But uh, Jesus answered them and said, verily, verily, which means truly, truly. And when he say it twice, that means I'm telling you there's no way around this. It's truthful, the saying I'm about to give you. I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is a servant of sin. Now, that is where it's hard. Because we all commit sins, right? I just went through a, a little idealistic ideal of it where, you know, you smash your finger, smash your toe, blah, blah, blah. That Those are just, it just happens. Yes, that's committing a sin. This word committeth is better represented as practicing. Whosoever practices sin, whosoever makes a sin a part of their life, because they were told that, oh, you know, your sins can't send you to hell, so go ahead and do them. That's basically what you're telling people. And that's false doctrine. That's another gospel. Jesus says, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. If you go to John chapter 1, First uh, John chapter 1, you see that something similar. I think it's John, First John chapter 1. It, it's in the first 
book of uh, for in, in that. I'm, I'm really flying here, <laughs> and and First John he says makes the same kind of thing, uh, and you know it takes a little bit of parsing out to get it. That he's just basically he's, you know he knows you're going to commit sins. We all will. We can't help it. But we don't want to practice them. Practicing sin. First John 3, 9. I was close. I was First John 3, 9. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Now, that is very difficult to understand in the King James vernacular. And I pray that the folks that wrote it and way back in, in the uh, first part, and, and actually John 3, 8, 1 John 3, 8, also he that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Let's kind of look at that a little bit differently because it needs be. You know, because you, you, well, I com- I've committed sins. What do I do? How do I, how do I get myself around that one? There's some other, uh, you know, and I, I get in trouble because, you know, oh, you're not a King James only. It's ESV says, whosoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. He, uh, Christian standard Bible, one who commits sins is of the devil. That's a little bit closer to what we just talked about. Even in the uh, the um, Spanish version, el que practica, <laughs> okay, you get it? Practice. New American Standard Bible 20, 20 and 95, 20, uh, 1995, one who practices sin practices folks that's when you willfully go about staring at the young girls becoming enraged all the time it's not good don't practice sin don't practice sin it will i heard a wonderful uh brother who said sin will take you further than you ever wanted to go if you get into this Bible and you start reading it and you start applying the truths of the Bible and get find good teachers who can lead you, and I'm not saying I'm one of them. I'm just saying these are the things that I have had to pray through and parse out and try to make a uh, uh, peace with. You know, you hear those people say, oh, I've made peace with God. But they never read their Bible. They don't really pray unless it's time to eat, and they don't even do it when they're by themselves. I heard one old boy say, you know, I pray, I pray over every cracker I eat. 
I pray over every drink of water that I take. I did that the other day. It was I, I, I kind of hit me. I was sitting in a. I was I was ministering to some folks through song and 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 Bible teaching, and I took a drink of water because my mouth was dry. And I said, "Thank you, Jesus, for the water." And you know, they kind of got a chuckle out of a couple. But you know, and and it, it was kind of meant for. But it, truthfully. When we look at that glass of water, that little bottle of water that I was carrying, it was a, you know, water that I brought from home. I look at, you know, you look at it and you say, there's a lot to that. It's not just a couple of hydrogen and oxygen particles that came together to make that. It is the finger of God that created that molecule of water that brought the perfect amount, H2O, together crashed them into each other and created water oh yeah you know the 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 way the scientists say they can do it and blah 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 god did it first we should be thankful for that bottle of water that glass of water that swimming pool full of water whatever it is water brings so much pleasure to our lives and water is also in the bible a picture of the holy ghost You will be filled with rivers of living water, which will flow out of your belly. And you think about that. When you think about the pictures that Jesus drew drew for us, you know, some of them are, you know, kind of humorous. But they make their point, and they make it very well. Hey, the Holy Spirit will fill you to the point where it's overflowing from you. And then you have the Joyce Myers and the Joel Osteins and all the other retards out there running around. I'm sorry, that's a wrong word to use. Excuse me. The false teachers and false prophetesses running around that say you're no you're you're no earthly good. You're too heavenly minded. You ain't no earthly good. You need to get a little bit more heavenly minded, folks. We need in this time, especially those of us who are getting up there in years. I'm not that old yet. I'm only 61 hitting 62. But you can you can die at 40. The roads are getting very dangerous. The medical procedures that they're foisting upon people to keep their jobs are dangerous. And yet we don't turn to Jesus, we turn to them. Get it right. Face What comes with faith? Faith the size of the grain of a mustard seed. How much faith do you think Moses, Noah, Abraham had to leave their comfortable existence? One built a big boat in a place where it never rained, never flooded. One left his home and went out because one of a home full of uh, Chaldeans, Ur of the Chaldees, that was at Abraham, or Abram and at the time. God changed his name later. Went out on, on faith. He listened to a, a voice in his head, basically, God speaking to him, or maybe he sent an angel. Abraham did have encounters with a Christophany and his seed as well. What is that? Well, maybe we'll talk about that someday, too. Who knows? I, I say maybe, and I forget him. But uh, I just told you how old I was, right? But see, think about it, folks. 
these and Moses, I mean, he he could have been living a life of luxury. You know, all he had to do is shave his head and all his body hair and hang out with the Pharaoh. No, he said, I'm going back to my people. I belong over there. Because God impacted upon him to do it. John the Baptist, all the disciples, all the apostles. They could have lived comfortable lives back in their fishing villages. Somewhat comfortable. More than they did as a as a preacher of the gospel, where they all ended up dead. John was boiled and thrown on an island in his old age and finally allowed to come back to his uh, Asia Minor churches where he was buried. He didn't live a comfortable life. He didn't live his best life now. None of them did. Thomas was speared. I, gotta, I, have, a, I have a thing I printed out not too long ago. I have to dig that up, and we'll go through how all of them died. We know Peter was crucified upside down. We also know that you know preachers of today say, oh, they preach like Jesus was coming back in their lifetime. Some of them, it seems that way, but did Peter really do that? Peter said that I, I soon will put off this earthly tabernacle. He knew, because Jesus told him, this is how you're, when you're old, this is how you're going to die, Peter. Period. You're not going to get raptured. You're not going to get, you're not even going to get like uh, Elijah or Enoch. You're, you're going to go through the storm. You're going to feel the pain, my friend. I'm sorry, but that's the way it's going to be. Paul was beheaded. He knew he was going to die before the rapture of the church. And I sound cynical, but I'm not. I'm, I'm very positive about that. They went through things that, hey, we might go through things as well. You want to be a true believer? You want to be a true convert, convert, or whatever you want to call it? Because that's not a bad word. That's actually used in Acts chapter 3 and verse 19. Be ye repented, convert, turn from your sins. You can look that one up too. I paraphrase part of it. But I'm telling you, folks, no matter what we go through, what we see on the other side is so much more glorious, so much more uh, abundantly awesome that it's worth everything that I have to face. If, I, if, if it's cancer or if it's the, the tip of a knife at my throat, that'll only last for a moment. Eternity lasts forever. And where you spend it, I mean, come on now. I've kind of bounced all over the place, but my main thing here, one of my main themes within this little, I'm, I'm already over. <laughs> That's all right. I don't have a, I don't, I have a clock to tell me I'm going too long on, on my own, but you know, I want you to really think about some of the things that we we're talking about. John eight thirty four. Whosoever committeth sin or lives in sin continues to commit sin willfully is a servant or a slave. This word servant in the New Testament was replaced uh, from the Greek, a word that was doulos, which was actually used more for the word slave. But slavery was 
such a bad thing in the uh, 1600s and their roundsabout that they used servant instead. That's fine. You're a servant, a slave to sin. I'm going to tell you something. I don't, I don't, I'm not saying who, I'm not saying what, because I, you know, your walk with Christ is your walk with Christ. But you can look around sometimes once you become Holy Ghost filled, once you become uh, a little bit more discerning through the Lord, not by yourself, but through your Lord, not your own discernment, but the Lord's discernment, that some people around us use Jesus as a prop. They do it to get a following. Oh, maybe Facebook. I got 5,000 followers on Facebook. Guess what? I ain't one of them. I had a guy that did. We were Facebook friends, talked on the phone a couple times. And then he popped off with some stuff that was so far out there, and then when I called him on it, I got called the false prophet. I got called the Pharisee. He was wrong. But he never admitted it. He got into the whole uh, back when the eclipse happened a couple of years ago that that was the end of the world and the rapture is going to come in September on the 25th. It didn't happen. Oh, well, you missed it. You don't understand what I was saying. It's actually, you know, 30 days after that, so it's October. It didn't happen. Sorry. At that point in time, I punched the button on that guy. I thought he was all right, but he, he, he was loony. That's just an example. The people who want this big following, you know, they want to be what we what we've determined at this point in time to be influencers. I you know, guys that that talk like I have for the last hour and 5 minutes, minus the song that I threw in there so an hour and 2 minutes maybe. Guys that talk like that, guys that tell you what the Bible says, and show you with different verses how the Bible says it, that whosoever lives in sin is a servant to sin. You're a servant to sin. You're a servant to the devil. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. Truth of Scripture a truth, telling the truth of Scripture. Yeah, you know, like I say, you're not going to get a big following. I may never have more than five or ten people listen to me on this podcast, and I'm fine with it. I'm still going to do the same thing I'm doing now. God will add to this as he sees fit. If I'm so far off that, uh, you know, that's all it is, that's all it is. I'm not going to change. To say, you know, somebody says, oh, well, now if you just, you know, you lighten up a little bit, you'll probably pick up, you know, sponsors and they'll send you free stuff and, you know, step on socks. I keep saying steponsocks.com backslash removing confusion. They're Christian folks. That's one reason I, I wretched, I reached out to them. They didn't reach out to me. I reached out to them. Actually, uh, uh, I, I like them. I like their background. I like their, everything about them. And um, that I, you know, what I know. And I'm going to tell you something. That, that's our sponsor. And that may be the only sponsor I ever have. And, I, and like I say, I reached out to them because they, they seem like good folks and they, have a, they have a fun product. We do believe in having fun here. And they also have products that do you good. So they are worthy. And I didn't, do, I didn't r- run into that just to, uh, to bring up my sponsor again. It's just, you know, we have one. 
for now. I don't know. If, I haven't heard from them. They haven't said, no, you can't use us anymore. But I'm sure that as long as I give them the unadulterated truth as I say it, you know, and they're good with me having 10 people following me or listen to following. You're not following me. You punch the little follow thing on the podcast just so you know when I make a new one. I'm good with it. I'm not here to be famous. With fame usually comes controversy. With controversy and fame mixed together comes compromise. I refuse with the word of God to compromise what it says. Because it's true. Let all other men be a liar, Jesus said. I am the truth and let all let everybody else everybody else isn't. Stick to the truth. John 8:32. But read that whole chapter. Look at how this I mean it's a long one. It goes 50, 60 verses. 59 verses in John chapter 8. And we only scratch the surface by gleaning over some of them. The things that are encompassed in this whole thing, a lady being caught in adultery and he sets her free. Jesus telling everyone, I am the truth and the truth will make you free. Jesus goes on to tell them, if, you're a, if you are a constant committed sinner, then you are not saved. You are a slave to your sin and <laughs> If you're a slave to sin, you're a slave to Satan. That's my words. That's what it says. We have to be very careful what we allow into our lives and what we allow our lives to become. We only get one of these. I heard one guy says, this is like probation. You know, there's a lot of rules that you have to follow, right? Well, Jesus didn't lay a lot of rules on us, but he gave us some. It's good to stay on that course. I better end this because I can go on for another 25, 30, or 45 minutes, and you don't want to listen to all that. Not, not, not right now. We got to save something for later. But I want to tell you something. In John 8, 59, that we're going we're gonna to roll it in. After all the things they've seen him, see, uh, seen him do, they've heard him say, he said in 58, Verily, verily, again, truly, truly, doubly true, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. He said, I'm God. That's what they took it. And then they took up stones to cast to him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. Whoops, wrong button. (laughs) So passed by. He walked right through the middle of them. And they couldn't throw a stone. I'm going to tell you what. Because there was a day for him to be taken. And it wasn't that day. And we can live all of our lives the same way. There's a day when we're going to be taken. Live every day you can for Christ. Jesus Christ. The Lord's Christ. Live every day. Because one day it will be your turn. And leave behind you good things. Till next time, Tom Richardson, it's Labor Day 2022. Removing confusion, signing off.